Talking politics in America is becoming more difficult than ever as exasperation with the other side is generating new levels of anxiety, frustration, and rage. Welcome to Novant Health Healthy Headlines. I'm Gina DiPietro. It's often a challenge to talk politics with someone who has a differing opinion. In this episode, we asked Sultana Nasrati, a Novant Health psychotherapist, how to have a political discussion with someone you truly don't agree with. She talks with Cliff Mertens about how to control emotions, when to bow out of a conversation, and other tips to avoid turning every political discussion into a battlefield. Thank you for listening. What's the best way to talk to someone who politically you might completely disagree with? So uh, I know a little bit about this. I am a unique person in my family in that everyone is one thing and I'm completely the opposite. And so the topic comes up quite often and they feel very strongly about their opinion. This isn't just extended family. This is my actual parents and my sisters. And what we discovered is initially when all of this started happening, we were in opposing sides and it got kind of heated and we realized that the feelings we had for each other were a little bit stronger. And so we decided to focus on the issues. So instead of talking about um, who this person represents versus this person represents, we stuck to, okay, healthcare. What do you think should happen with healthcare? And we found that we had a lot less to argue about. Things worked out really well. And we haven't really had an argument in probably about four years, despite everything that's happened, including what recently happened. And I, I, I see this with my patients a lot. So I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist working in North Carolina. There is a diverse set of opinions here. And I come across patients often who don't agree with my personal opinion, although they're not aware of what it is. And I just try to see their point so that I can help them with the issues that they're bringing forward. Currently, as we're getting ready to change polit- political uh parties and, and a new president, um, there's a lot of rage, a lot of anger, and it's it's bubbled to the top. It's, it's way, and a lot of people, it, it's consuming them. But how can you individually, how can you best control your rage at the current events that are going on in America? So instead of trying to shove it down as an unacceptable feeling, it's better to acknowledge that you have the right to feel the way that you do. And, and you got to listen carefully here. So if I'm angry or I feel rage, it's okay. It's a human emotion and it might not be as comfortable as joy and compassion. It's just as much of a feeling. I know people say anger is not a feeling. It really is. Ask anybody who has, you know, watched the news in the last couple of weeks. Anger is definitely a feeling. The feelings you can't control. We know this scientifically when we all the studies that have been done that you cannot control the way you feel. It's just the way you feel. But what you do have absolute control over is your behaviors. The best way to mitigate maybe some impulsive behaviors you want to give into or um, anything like that would be to just acknowledge first that you have a right to feel anger. So if you feel anger, acknowledge it and then try to have some compassion in the same way that you would for someone that you really deeply care about. It's the only way you can sort of think clearly and make better decisions because your behaviors, unfortunately, are 100% within your control. You could always choose different, even if you do feel angry. Say we're in a small group discussing something and someone brings up a point that's completely opposite of what I may think 
politically. Do I pull them aside one-on-one -on -one to discuss it? Do I blurt out in the crowd? You know, you, I totally disagree with you. You're wrong on and on and on. What's the most, what's the most beneficial for both parties? How should I handle a situation like that? So if it's at work, I would avoid it because I'm pretty sure every single company I've ever heard has, of has a strict policy against communicating about politics. But say you're in a small group with your friends and you're just having a chit chat, like a dinner or at a you know social gathering. It's okay to express your opinion, but you want to be very careful that when you're expressing it, you're choosing your words with respect. So if you have respect, you can have opposing opinions. Now, just because you're choosing your words with respect, you also are in tune to this other person. So if they're starting to act out because your opinion tends to differ from theirs, the best option would be to just drop it. Wait until like a few days later, if you are friends and say, hey, you know, you and I don't agree, but that really wasn't necessary. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and sometimes leaving is a really good idea. Idea. What sort of questions can you ask to, to get a better viewpoint of someone's uh, political views, as opposed to being attack, using attacking sentences and, and words like that? What can I ask to get a better viewpoint of the way they might be thinking? So it depends on what they're thinking. Like I said, if it's, if it's a strong opinion about a particular person, like the president or a particular governor or what have you, you're highly unlikely to get very far because you can't argue with who you like and who you don't like, right? It's very, they either like them or they don't. That's kind of how it falls. But if it's about a topic, I would ask, I often say things like, well, why don't you educate me? Educate me about you. And then ask questions that are meant to invoke information versus emotion. So, okay, so I see that you don't like, um, uh, the new policy about healthcare. What is it that you don't like? And who have you seen done it, do it better? Or what do you think is a better solution? So you kind of can gather information that's useful versus inflammatory. So. What are some good tips to, to find common ground? I realize this person may not, or this group of people may not agree with me and I'm never going to convert them, but how can we find common ground where we can coexist without, you know, burning down buildings or, or really attacking each other? Um, focus on the basic needs. So everybody who has children cares about their children. Everybody that has a home would like to keep it. Everybody wants to be able to work and support themselves. That's usually a common ground, regardless of what the political party is or where that person happens to be in life. Does that, so it's very easy to have a productive conversation when you focus on the basic stuff. What are some tips to avoid a, a, a um, confrontational tone? It's easy to yell and scream, and I call you an idiot because you don't think like I do. Mm -hmm. I am a hothead. I have a temper. I, I joke that it's my it's my my uh, cultural background. But um, one of the best things that I learned is if you are going somewhere where you know, like for example, a dinner party where you know some people agree with you and some people don't. My suggestion is before you even knock on that door, take a few cleansing breaths, right? And remember why you're showing up in the first place. Like, why are you going to this dinner party? Um, when someone is having a, saying something that you find to be upsetting, pay attention to your body. 
almost all of my patients will say that they'll feel a sense of being flushed or they get upset. That's when you want to start going into what I call control breathing and just breathe, breathe. The other really quick technique I've used um, to manage my, uh, you know, temper is <laughs> I would say things to myself like, you know, from this person's perspective, this is what they're going through, right? Like when someone cuts you off on the freeway, for example, you're like, you don't know if their wife just left them or if they found out they had cancer. And so it could kind of work in a modified way in that set of type of environment. You just kind of challenge yourself to be more respectful and to think about why they would feel that strongly about a topic or why they would need to hold on to that belief system, even if you have evidence that it's inaccurate. It's also easy to cut someone off in mid-thought or you know, try to talk them down before they finish their thought. Talk a little bit about the art of listening and how important that is. So as a therapist, that can be kind of difficult at times, especially <laughs> patient after patient. So um, like I said, I, I breathe and I try to understand what the person is saying. So I focus on their words, but I also focus on their body language. And it, it helps keep me in the moment. If you find your brain drifting or jumping ahead, just count to three, take a deep breath, say, no, you're gonna miss the point. Because oftentimes when we cut someone off, we're either cutting them off before they have a chance to actually make a valid point, or we cut them off before they finish making their point, leaving you looking like a fool. So it's probably a good idea to just stay in the moment. Try everything you can to just stay in the moment. And for everybody, it's a different thing. Does every political conversation have to have a winner and a loser? Um, <laughs> that depends who you're conversing with. <laughs> <laughs> if you're having a conversation with my husband, the answer is yes. <laughs> but with me, no, not, not really. I think it depends on both parties. Since conversations usually occur between two people, in order for it to be, oh, no, there doesn't have to be any winners and we can agree to disagree, both of you have to hold on to that opinion. I think it's smart to recognize when this conversation, you're having a conversation with say someone who does believe in winners and losers and maybe you don't. And knowing how to tactfully back out of the conversation because it's not gonna be useful. But if you are with someone that you know is receptive to that, then yeah, you can continue having the conversation. You might end with a better understanding if not necessarily agreement. You mentioned earlier about um, finding things in common. We both may be homeowners or live in a neighborhood or we have children or work at the same location, things like that. Is it okay to adopt a, a philosophy, a strategy of never discussing politics, going through life, just staying in your silo and never talking about it? Or is that unhealthy? I think um, it depends. If it's not important to you, then keeping that silo is perfectly healthy. But if it's something you do care about, keeping that silo can be a way of repressing the way you really feel. And people tend to, to develop depression or anxiety when they feel like they're not being heard or that no one is acknowledging the way they feel. Just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you're succeeding in alleviating the situation. So you might not want to talk about it with you know the person you work with, but your partner would be a good idea or someone that you do feel like you can be safe with. So it really depends on whether or not this particular topic is essential to who you are as a person. Will the political climate and the, and the diversity ever get any better in this, this country? Will it improve? 
think it will, but it's going to require a lot of people um, focusing back on why they got into it in the first place. You know, I had a person, um, a psychotherapist, we get overwhelmed sometimes. And I had a non-clinician look at me and say, sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and remember why you chose this and convey that. And even though things can get difficult, you do get better. And I, it was powerful and it's very valid. Remember why you got back, why you got into it. You know, we like to joke about politics and politicians about how, you know, they don't care, they're big people and some of them don't, but there's quite a few that do. And I have to believe that if I believe in democracy. So I do think it's gonna get better. It's just gonna require some um, shoving of the egos to the side, so to speak. So, yeah. Like anything worthwhile, right? Yes, I mean, think about a good marriage, right? Do you always get your way? I know I don't. <laughs> that would be but, no. <laughs> but the reason the success to wonderful marriages is that there is some arguing that's healthy but there's also an understanding that we're all working towards a common good. And so you'll see some marriages that have been, you know, happily married for 40, 50 years, and they fight all the time, but there's an underlying respect there and understanding that they're all working for a common good. It's just how you get there that's different. Hello, Gina DiPietro again. Lately, politics and the passion surrounding it is keeping America far from domestic tranquility. But as you heard, it is possible to have a civil discussion with someone on the other political side. The bottom line, we all live here and we need to learn to coexist peacefully. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Headlines. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts. We post new episodes all the time. Most are just 15 minutes. Thank you for listening.